We are talking today about forgiveness, and particular forgiveness in a culture that is full of grievances. I would call it a grievant culture. I'm not even sure that's a word, but um, <clears throat> and, and it's in the context of a larger story that we're trying to tell here in this series of episodes, where we want to try to describe what would be some of the makeup, some of the content, some of the expressions of a modern-day revival. If the Spirit of God were to move <clears throat> mightily on this generation, what might be some of the elements historically? <clears throat> other past spiritual awakenings have held certain kind of content within it uh, to express the need of the hour. And we believe there's a great need in this hour. And one of the needs is forgiveness. If we're going to see a revival, part of it's going to be uh, through seeing a people that know how to forgive uh, greatly <clears throat> with fullness of heart and yet understand uh, the difficulty that lies therein. I'm Gary Wilkerson. This is the Gary Wilkerson Podcast here with Joshua West. Joshua, welcome. Glad you're here again today. Glad to be with you and glad to be talking about this particular um, tenant of, you know, what we think will mark a culture of revival in this generation, because yeah. I feel like this is one that every person, um, you know, it's something that's prevalent in our culture and even in church culture or with, because of politics or because mm -hmm. of certain things, this sort of grievant, this grievance driven culture of, you know, wanting to right wrongs for the sake of right. Um, when, you know, when it's the idea of forgiveness sometimes isn't really, isn't even really discussed much. Forgiving your enemies, forgiving those who harmfully uh, use you is is unique to Jesus. There's not much out there in the world of religion or secular <laughs> that talks about Jesus in this light, right? I mean, this right. Is, is very unique to him. So Definitely. We're looking forward to digging in. Let's go, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at this. Where the title, Forgiveness in a Grieving Culture, is exactly what you were saying, Joshua. This is a culture where there's safe spaces because people get wounded so easily, microaggressions, um, <clears throat> uh, lawsuits uh, in multiples that we've never heard of in our, our history. Courts are jam-packed with uh, lawsuits from small to great. Uh, plus, there's such a wickedness in culture, <clears throat> there's more people wounding people. You know, the old adage, hurt people hurt people, and we're seeing that in our culture. So <clears throat> this concept of forgiveness is one that I think is going to mark a move of God in our generation and see great things. Um, the The reality is people are going to get grieved. There's going to be hurts. We're going to get wounded. We live in a fallen world, so there's no there's no escape of this. The question we want to ask today is: Will forgiveness not only benefit us, but maybe the person that has has wounded us? Can is there some form of redemption that? Uh, forgiveness can play, uh, open up their hearts, maybe to see the love of God in a, in a new way. So this, uh, I'd like to, to really take some time today, Joshua, to examine um, Matthew 18. Uh, to me, as I've been studying this chapter, it, it shows me, um, it, it almost seems like he's talking about three or four different things, but I, I think he's really talking about one theme, forgiveness, throughout the whole thing. Um, so yeah, if you don't mind, I'll dig into this. If yep. if you have some thoughts, please feel free to interrupt me at any time, or if you have any questions, let me know. Um, <clears throat> verse four of eighteen is talking about the disciples want to know who's the greatest, and he calls a child and he puts him in his midst, and then it says, uh, "Whoever becomes like children, you will enter the kingdom. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you." And you probably heard this before, Joshua as well. It's like. What is it about children that Jesus says, be like that, that'll be the greatest? I've heard it's their innocence. 
I've heard it's their trust. Uh, I've heard it's their, their simplicity. Um, you know, it just, just uh, you hear a lot of different things, but it's interesting. Uh, do you notice in verse four what it says is the, is the key there that, to the kids? Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, so Jesus answers the question himself. <laughs> I, I don't know why for right. uh, you know, all these theological debates about what is, what is it that is in the child that makes them the greatest. Well, I think yeah. sometimes it's more to make their object lesson work. Oh, yeah, they want it to... <laughs> you know, like they, a have, child they is, have something else in mind. And a child so has a like, sense of humor. A child right. has, a, a, you know, a very... So a the text sometimes doesn't go along with what, they're, <laughs> what, what they want to use yeah. it for. But I love that. I mean, and that's, you know how, I don't, you know, you and I have both been in the Word of God for a long time. It's kind of cool when you still see some new stuff. You're like, oh, thank you, Lord. That's, I just, I love that. I love when I get new or I love when I get uh, corrected on uh, other presumptions that I had, that I ha haven't had. I heard one recently, this is way off topic, okay, but um, this guy was teaching, he said, he asked the audience, close your eyes, and he says, okay, now listen to this and picture this in your mind. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> and he asked the audience, now, what did you see when you closed your eyes? The main reaction he usually gets is, there's this globe and sort of a heaven above it. And he says, but it's interesting, the, the Hebrews that would have first read that, they didn't know the earth was round. And right. so, so it would be a flat. They would, they would see if they close their eyes, a flat earth with a heaven above it. Not a, a correct picture, but that's how they would interpret Scripture. The point he was trying to make is <clears throat> we, we read into Scripture things that aren't there. Like we, right. we picture the earth round or we picture, right. this, we picture the child being kind or right. uh, fun-loving, uh, trusting. But, you know, we, we have to understand culture. And this is why we would probably recommend people go back to uh, fascinating, life-altering Word of God. That series that we did, uh, we do that gives us some tools to do that. So, so we, Jesus starts off with humility. Then he goes on to temptation of sin, parable of the lost sheep, and then after that, uh, if your brother sins against you. Now, now here's where we're really digging in. So Jesus said, have an attitude of humility that you're a lost sheep that has been rescued, you've been brought back. So now out of that, how do you handle it? In verse 15, uh, if your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Um, so so th here's the process that Jesus is teaching his disciples, you and I, how to live in the kingdom of God, a new kingdom as opposed to the worldly way of, of life. <clears throat> and, and, and he knows your brother is going to sin against you, uh, you go to him and tell him his fault between you and him. If he listens, you have gained your brother. <clears throat> if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you. And again, this is usually in the context of, uh, you know, maybe bring one of your elders or your church together to uh, confirm your accusation against them. But I, I begin to wonder if this maybe isn't more, first of all, you have a problem that somebody has sinned against you you're called to forgive them. But this sin is, if, if you look at the context of this sin is pretty grievous because it bears out that if it's true, the, the sin that was committed against you, that your brother committed against you, if you do that and they don't repent, then they're going to be kicked out of the church. They're going to be excommunicated. So Jesus is not using an example here of, you know, uh, somebody laughed at you, right. uh, called you a, a bad name. This is something that could... You know, this is this is um, an affair, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, 
<clears throat> it's it's you know it's pretty pretty serious stuff. And then he, he says, if 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 the, you go to the brother, if they don't listen to you, you take one or two others along with you. So to take one or two others along with you means you have to tell them the story. Uh, so first you've gone to your brother. So say you grieved me. Um, you know you've done done you, you know you've done you you uh, just did something that's un, unthinkable, and my first calling is to come to you and talk to you about it. So secondly, if I don't, if you don't listen to that and turn and say like, yeah, I'm really sorry, I'm going to correct that, that that opens up the door for me to talk to somebody about it. I, I kind of like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That you, I get to, it's it's not gossip here, right? Right. No, I agree with you. I think another element to it is this. Obviously, it seems to be grievous, but I feel like a lot of people skip the first part and go to the second one. Exactly. A lot of things can be cleared up by going to your brother. I mean, there's a lot of times or even (laughs) things that are real grievances, you know, we can go to a brother. And I think that uh, in the basement of it, kind of exhibits a heart that's seeking forgiveness. Yeah. The person who goes to the two or three people first, mm-hmm. it maybe gives an indication that's not what he's really after. Right. The guy who goes to you first, well, first and foremost, if we're brothers, you're coming to me as a brother and you're you're holding me accountable. You're drawing my attention right. to something. You're pointing something out. I have an opportunity to deny or to uh, apologize. And so I feel mm-hmm. like, that is, you know, that's the that's the heart of, of brotherhood there, you know, and I think it kind of exposes because if if me and you make peace, then no one really needs to know about it. You know, it's like right. you've won your brother. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, is that really your intention to win your brother? Yeah. And so, so a lot of times it's not. It's, it's not really. You'd yeah. rather take them down to, uh, I want right. two or three others to know, or I want the church to know. I want them to, I want to expose them, not heal them. Yep. I, I want to come against them, not reconcile with them. And a lot of times it's <clears throat> as simple as that we want to be right and we want people to know we're right. It's, it's vengeance. More, it's vengeance. It's vengeance. Yeah, yeah it definitely like, is. It's pride. I yep. want to know I'm right. And then it's vengeance. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. I need a pound of flesh from you. Exactly. And exactly. it's going to start with me embarrassing you. Ex- yeah. You know, except in this case where it's you go to them, you try to make you mend the wrong between yourselves yeah. and then the next step is the elevation of, yeah. of bringing one or two right. with you. I think pastorally this speaks to me. I think one of the main things that I, over my years of pastoring, <clears throat> a lot of the problematic areas of people came has to do with this. Yeah. Uh, how, how do I forgive? How do I forgive my father who sexually abused me? <clears throat> how do I forgive uh, my mother who abandoned me? How do I forgive my boyfriend who left me? How, how do I forgive the person who, uh, carjacked me and held me kidnap. Uh, you know, and I, I think maybe later in the podcast you might share some stories of right. of your friend Lauren, possibly if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, how, how does somebody like Lauren will hear a story? How does he forgive uh, with what happened to him? <clears throat> um, and so, if we're not careful, I think the problem we might have here is this, because later on Jesus says you have to forgive. Uh, and it depends on how, how you read the Greek. Some people say it's 70 times 7, or some people say it's 77. Uh, just in my little exploration, it's not that important, but I kind of see it as 77. Uh, I think it reads a little bit better. Uh, so, But whatever it is, it's a lot of times. And so it almost sounds like we're advocating or Jesus is demanding of a girl who's been physically abused by her boyfriend or say her spouse, 
Um, and this has happened before. The pastor, oh no, you you know you can't leave. That's that's not you know only adultery and you know um, that's that's and that's that's no reason. To, uh, or if they're an unbeliever and they leave, they want you to leave, then you. But and so they send them home into an abusive situation. There's even been stories where that person's gotten killed, the 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 spouse that was being abused. And so is Jesus asking us here to uh, put ourselves in a position of hurt? wound going back into an untrusting situation is he is he saying forgiveness is just this carte blanche that everybody demands uh, and um, so he has he has two parallel points here one is what ultimate forgiveness is but there's some parameters around that forgiveness um, you you know the uh, if you gained your brother but maybe you don't gain your brother uh, maybe you don't gain your spouse if maybe you don't gain your father if he doesn't listen and then, then you. Have, but then also, Jesus gives us this: go to two, go to one or two other people and tell them the struggle that you're going through. Let them pray for you. Let them. T- I think this is much more than uh, just a technical. We see this sometimes as here's church government. Uh, I think this is much more relational. To that uh, bring them along with you, and every charge may be. Here's another cool point: uh, that the charge may be established um, by the evidence. It's kind of cool that these friends now are not just. I don't know if you've experienced this, Joshua, but I have like where my friends tend to believe my side of the story. Right. And yeah. And so if if you've wronged me, I go tell Ryan over here that, hey, Josh did this to me. Oh yeah. Josh is kind of that kind of guy. So he's gonna sit there and he's gonna who's he gonna believe? Yeah. And often it's because we're looking for affirmation, not for Ooh, forgiveness. Ouch. Yeah. You know, I think that's why a lot of times we see the not to interrupt your story, but we see, you know me and my wife were talking through um, some some women that she counsels with and, you know, uh, kind of, you know, sows into and disciples. But something that she says to women that she talks to a lot is this, who you run to often has a great indication of what you really want out of it. That, yeah. You know, there's certain people you would run to because you know what they're going to say. Oh, they wronged you. You know, you're yeah. you're the best. They're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, and so I think that that there is this sort of like idea of wanting to run to people who affirm us mm-hmm. instead of going to to someone that maybe Trust, would actually trusted person, a trusted person who would speak truth into a yeah, situation, exactly. or be or be a uh, um. You know, in in uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, an unbiased, unbiased, you know, exactly. person that that would that yes. would probably. Help yeah. you discern rightly. Yeah, obviously, they love you because you wouldn't go to them if right. if you knew they hated you and were against you. Uh, but yeah, but the fact of what they're going for, and they know this because this is Jesus's command. Like, okay, when you go, if I tell Ryan to come talk to Joshua about this error in his life, Ryan has to come to say, my goal is not to make Gary feel better and rebuke Joshua. My goal is to. Uh, is is this charge established by evidence? Do we right. do we see? And if and if there's no evidence, then you can't take the next step. Right. You can't. But again, the or big, the, or there's um, another side to the story. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That 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 person's not wanting to hear, and there almost always is. But let's say there's not. Let's just say this is this is Jesus teaching. He's going to talk more about almost like unconditional forgiveness. But here he, he's almost just opposing these two things together, saying there's some there's some forms. Of forgiveness that have um, elements to them that required wisdom and discernment and community 
that it's not just a carte blanche, like I forgive you and it's all said right. and done. Um, so you're, 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 so Jesus isn't throwing us under the bus and saying, just go back to the abusive situation. Just forgive the husband who keeps beating you. Just yeah. forgive the husband who, the wife who keeps cheating on you. Just, you know, just close, you know, uh, put blinders on, just take it, you know, take all the abuse and take it again. And, uh, but this is, this is, this is a safeguarding, but it's also uh, redemptive. It's, it, the goal is, the, if your brother who sins against you, the goal of the one who has been sinned against is to try to win that brother back. That's what, uh, uh, you know, that's what he says. You gain, you, you want to gain him back to your relationship, but also to, to the relationship with God. And then um, if he refuses, you tell it to the church. So there's, you get three chances, so to speak, and the fourth one, you tell them to the church, and then they excommunicate them. Obviously, if you can excommunicate somebody from the church and say you treat them like a sinner, then you, the, the expectation isn't like, uh, go back to your abusive father, teenage girl. Um, you know, right. it's, it's no, we got to put you in a safe place. Uh, forgiveness is of the heart. Uh, that's the, the last thing Jesus says in Matthew 18 is, uh, so... So also what my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Yeah. And so this person can forgive from the heart, but not necessarily. Look, look at verse 27. This is kind of cool too. Uh, out of pity for him, the master that the servant did two things. He released him, and then he forgave him of the debt. So there's forgiveness and release. So in the in the earlier part about the brother sinning against you, I think somebody could forgive. I forgive my father for his abuse. I forgive my spouse for cheating on me I release you but 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 I'm not releasing you in the sense of uh, you see what I'm saying yeah. one, one is one is forgive of the heart yeah. that's what Jesus forgive your brother from the heart but you're not releasing them from the the, the action so you, yeah, you've exactly. heard people that like uh you know have somebody murdered a family member and they stood up in front of a crowd and said I forgive them they don't say Please let him get out of jail. They, right. There's consequences. There's right. there's safety for a culture. We want to keep this from happening again. Exactly. And so Jesus is this is brilliant of Jesus. He's just saying, your heart's going to be released from any bitterness or anger inside of you. But the person who's doing the abusiveness or the sin is not necessarily going to get off scotch free and be free just to almost take advantage of that. Like ah, Jesus. So no doubt. Everybody has to forgive me. Well, there's another place in Scripture, and I can't remember the address off the top of my head, but basically it says, you know, if your brother comes and repents, right. how many times you have to forgive them? Yeah. And the answer is every time. Yeah. But there is this element of they have to they have to be repentive, you know. So it's exactly. not like yeah. it's not like you you don't have you can't address sin. Not like you can't hold someone accountable to the yeah. truth. That that's not what it's saying. But there is this. You know, and I think the parable that you are are you gonna talk through the parable of the unforgiving bit, yeah. servant? Yeah. yeah. In that parable, it really does sort of bear out the heart of forgiveness in God's economy. Yeah. Um, and why we should be postured towards forgiveness the right. way we the way we do. Before you read it, I'll just read Matthew sixteen, fourteen. It says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. The heart of someone who's forgiven much, who's mm -hmm. forgiven a lifetime of sin, yeah. you know, not did you murder anyone? Have you ever been angry with anyone? Mm -hmm. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Right. Have you ever had a, an idle word? You yeah. know, these 
sins that Jesus says are worth death. Yeah. Um, and you've been forgiven a lifetime of sin by a God who owed you nothing but but condemnation right. and and you know punishment, but instead gave you forgiveness and eternal life. So how could you withhold forgiveness from? And so I think I feel like that's kind of the the entryway into a to the you know verse or chapter eighteen verse wow. twenty one through thirty five. Pastor Joshua West here, co-host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast. I want to invite you to go to worldchallenge.org and listen to the latest sermon series from myself and from Gary Wilkerson. I'm just going to go back to the story a little yeah, bit here. Yeah, please, please. No, I'm sorry. I got no, ahead of no, that, that, that was totally fitting. I, I just wanted to kind of, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just sort of pressing in here. I, normally, I'm a little more conversational with you, but uh, this is just so burning on my heart. I wanted to kind of get it out as best yes. I could. Um and then so, so Jesus is is here saying, okay, you know, so this person can be excommunicated. You you could still forgive them uh, without releasing them from the penalty of the excommunication of being right. uh, sort of an outcast from the church. Okay, so then immediately, verse twenty, Peter comes up to him and says, uh, "Lord, how often uh, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him?" It's like he's 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 seeing here. Uh, Jesus, interestingly enough, is is. Is, is using something from the Old Testament, I think, anyway. Um, three three times somebody forgives uh, sins, you forgive them. The fourth time, you know, that's Old Testament. Right. Just just real briefly, uh, you go to Amos. Yep. If you're, is that what you were thinking? Or, yeah, I, I know. I'm familiar uh, with it. Yeah. So, um, for three transgressions of Damascus, but for four, I will uh, revoke the punishment because of that. Uh, verse 6, for three transgressions of Gaza, uh, and for four... Uh, thus says the Lord for three transgression of Tyre. So what? What Amos and it goes on for like two chapters, yeah. uh, like ten different cultures that he's Moab and even then Judah and Israel, and and so he says for three, uh, we're going to be okay, but four is is the limit. And so uh, so Peter's here and Jesus <laughs> say, okay, you worked you three times, you tried to reconcile. Fourth time, the story's over. The guy's out. So Peter's going like, wow, that's pretty hard to do. And then I think Peter, in his sense of like, I, I you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very gracious here, not three or four. How about if I can I, I'll go to seven. He was. It, it almost appears he was looking for a pat on the back. Exactly. You know, it's like exactly. we know four from the Old Testament. Four yeah. is the standard. Four is the standard. But you know, how many times, Jesus? Yeah. Seven. Seven. And then it's like, wow, Peter. I don't know. Seven's a lot. I was just thinking. I told you the story. It was four. You're more holy than me, yeah. Peter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Jesus answers in verse 22. Uh, I do not say to you seven times, but I say seventy times seven. Uh, and again, some I don't know what your your ESV right. That's same yeah. as mine. Seventy times seven, yeah. and others say seventy-seven. Um, and there's you know the, there's you probably know more than me. There's two different Greek uh, right. books, Septuagint, and another one that we get our. Uh, and, and so it depends on which one you do it. You know, secondary. And a lot of people, even though it's not laid out specifically, there's a little bit of assumption, but. A lot of people think that it's probably some sort of Jewish idiom mm -hmm. that means, you know, as many, we're talking about in a day. So yeah. you're forgiving someone, even if it's 77 times or 70 times seven, um, we're talking about more forgiveness than anyone needs in a day yeah. for grievous sins. Yeah. And so I think, I think either way, um, you know, you can, you can understand the gravity of what yeah. Jesus is saying right. a lot mm -hmm. more than you think. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. <laughs> There's um, 
uh, some writers do this thing called the hyperlinks, uh, where they, they they find you know, and some of them are so evident. You know, Jesus says, uh, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Right. We know it's a quote from He's there. He's quoting some. Yeah, this one is a little more elusive, but nonetheless, in in, in the Greek, and then if you look at it in Hebrew, it's almost an exact phrase of something from Genesis, where it says here uh, in Genesis four verse fifteen. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And, and then later on, one of Cain's descendants um, uh, kills, uh, he has two wives, and he says, I have killed a man for wounding me, and I have killed a young man for striking me. So he's killed two men now, so he's worse than Cain. Yeah. Uh, and, and one wounded him, the other just struck him. And you know, I killed them both. So basically, it sounds like he's boasting, like, "Yeah, hey, don't mess with me." Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm going to evoke Cain's uh, protection from God. I, I'm saying here, uh, whoever strikes me or wounds me, or uh, uh, the revenge is Cain's was sevenfold. Then Lamech's is seven seventy-sevenfold, or seventy-seven. Or if you want to go the 490, you can do that. So, so, so a lot of people are saying uh, there's some evidence in Scripture that Jesus was quoting, uh, using Genesis 4 to oh, say— Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Isn't that cool? He's, that he's, cool. Like, I love that link. He's just So Jesus is saying, okay, we've got this three or four thing from Amos. Peter, you're saying seven. <laughs> Lamech said, anybody messes with me, 70 times seven, I'm going to— you know, God's going to pour out vengeance on them. We're, right. You know, and, and so Jesus turns the tables totally upside down. I mean, this is to me is more radical than turning the tables up in the temple. Yeah. Because he, he, this is a soul issue, a heart issue. He, he's saying uh, one having to do with vengeance, the other yes. having to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah. yeah. Like same numbers. Yeah. Lamech said, "I'm going to create vengeance seventy-seven times." Jesus says, "No, you forgive seventy-seven times a day, uh, and do that." So, I mean, I just would. I would have loved to have seen Peter's face or the disciples' face. And I was like, what? Like seven, like, and, you know, knowing that these guys were well-schooled in the Hebrew scriptures, Peter and the crowd here would have probably known, oh, wow, he's probably talking about Lamech here and vengeance and, and just an opposite thing. And then Jesus, I won't go into too much detail. Maybe you have some comments on that. But, you know, he, he, he puts together two different men. Uh, one owes him 10,000 talents. Uh, so, so he owns his. He owns, he's a servant. He works for this, for a, a master, and the, he owes them ten thousand talents. Which, if you look in the, do you have that in your commentary? I, that's so cool. Uh, a talent it was a monetary unit worth of about twenty years wages. Wow. So one talent is twenty years wages, and what does he owe him? Ten thousand talents. It's a that's so, a debt he could not pay. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it would it would. I think Jesus is. Using extravagance here, like, like if we tell a story today, uh, a, a guy o owed uh, his boss, you know, seventeen trillion, uh, seventeen yeah. zillion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody would laugh, like you know, nobody owes that kind yeah. of money. And and Jesus says, well, even if you did, I, I forgave that. And he says, I released him of that seventy trillion zillion dollars, and I forgave him of it as well. And then the guy basically says, yeah. Uh, he owed 200, and the other servant owed 200 denarii, which it basically works out to uh, about one-fourth, one-third to one-fourth of your year salary. So, you know, three three months' work, uh, not anything compared to the zillions that he owed. Right. And he went forgive me, chokes him, puts him in prison, refuses to to release or forgive him. 
And then, you know, Jesus, uh, in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers so that he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father would do to everyone. So it's really, isn't it kind of bizarre that Jesus on one hand is saying, I want to protect you. You're my sheep. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. There's some ways I'm going to make sure you're safe. But barring that, I'm going to require of you or, or you'll be punished as well if you don't have a heart to forgive people. And to me, I mean, this just, as I keep saying, it blows me away just to see the extravagance of this thing in a grieving culture where, you know, I, I want to I wanna go to the press because, you know, someone cut me off in the freeway. Right. You know, this is, this is really, uh, uh, it's not over the top, but it certainly is extravagant. Oh, I mean, it's, I mean, when you think about, I think the point of the story is to show the ridiculous extravagance of of God's love and forgiveness towards us. Yeah. And the idea that we could, it, it's almost, it, it's making the most grievous sin committed against you or me. Now, God did put some protections in place and some church discipline and the way we interact with with people who are unrepentant, you know, uh, like even we see it bore out in First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, you know, unrepentant sinner engaged in sexual immorality, and they cast him out of the church. And then, of course, in Second Corinthians, when apparently he had repented and changed his ways, the you know Paul had to say, "Hey, listen, he, yeah. we have to let him back in the church." That's a good point. Um, but I think I think the backdrop of all of this, especially with the story you just told about the unforgiving servant is in light of the gospel, in light of God's lavish, radical, you know, a hundred trillion sins yeah. forgiven, yeah. a lifetime of sins, every wicked thought you've ever thought, every bad thing you will do and have done. How can you, how can you truly perceive the freedom that God has given you from, from the wages of your sin, which is death yeah. and eternal death? Yeah. If you truly perceived that, how could you hold a grievance yeah. against a brother, especially a repentant brother, yeah. a yeah. brother who said, "Have mercy on me"? Yeah. You know, and I think I think that's what we see a lot in the culture today. We see people who who talk about the forgiveness of God and accepting God, and um, but it's 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 void of reality. Right. Like, and and we even see Christians, you know, who will pound their fist on the table for justice. And it's the same thing the the people in the streets are doing who who feel wronged by other groups of people or you know it's a tell as old as time. Um and I'm listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be administrators of justice. You know, we have legal systems that are imperfect. We should be just, but but the idea of seeking forgiveness, you know, even people who have murdered, maybe they shouldn't ever be out of jail. Right. But but if they if they ask for forgiveness from the heart, it should be granted to them. But I think the the thing is, is we forget when we're the one wronged, we pound on the table demanding justice. Yeah, here he says he chokes them. Right. But how but how how much the tables turn when we're the one in the wrong? Yeah. Oh, have mercy on me. I didn't mean it. It won't happen again. And I think this is how the gospel is Absolutely supposed to true. realign our mind because the only the only justice that we actually deserve from God is condemnation, judgment. Yeah. And then when we see, not only did God not just give us what we deserve, 
Um, he gave us something we don't deserve, and that's sonship mm-hmm. and fellowship mm-hmm. and freedom from our sins, eternal life, a place in the family of God. And so I think when when you really bear those things out, it's and not to say your feelings are preposterous, but the idea of holding a grievance against someone yeah. who who is asking for your forgiveness yeah. is really ludicrous in God's economy. Absolutely. Because when you really bear out the reality of the gospel um, and what you've been forgiven from, it, it almost seems silly to think about. Right. Um, and the reason why we struggle is because we're, we're fallen humans mm-hmm. and, and we don't trust God all the time and, yeah. and those sort of things. But scriptures like this have to show us that 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 it's something we desperately should have our minds and hearts set for. The last thing I'll say is this too, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside yeah. of us. And if we're a culture of forgiveness, not a culture of you know always trying to right the wrongs, God says, "Vengeance is my said." That day's coming, yeah. but before Christ comes back, we've got to extend mercy and forgiveness to people outside of the faith. You know what they need to see us do first. Forgive and extend mercy and love towards each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, in the, right in, the, in the same family. That's what this, you know, in the context of the overriding purpose of these episodes this past five, six weeks would be to say, you know, there's two kingdoms and God imprinted his nature on us. That nature was fallen and Christ showed us the image of God, which is to forgive. That's his very nature. Almost, it's kind of a really weird picture, but like take this part of the Bible. This page was the world, sin, darkness, corruption, rebellion, pride, arrogance, murder, rape. Uh, just everything you could think of uh, of this dark, dark world we live in. You know, Isaiah sixty: the gross darkness has covered the earth. Um, but he also says, "But a light has risen and shined your light in the midst of that dark." So forgiveness to me is like on this side of the page is someone who's forgiven. They have the joy of the Lord. There's peace in their heart. They have what we talked about in one of our previous episodes, generosity. They, they have received much. There's abundance. There's not a scarcity of, of reconciliation. There's Forgiveness. They forgiveness. have, a, gen- they have a, a reservoir of it. A reservoir, yeah. That's how many times God's forgiven us. That's, that, that's the ample supply we have. And it's almost like this side is now with this forgiveness is penetrating the powers of darkness and saying, uh, we want a move of God. We want a revival. We want a spiritual awakening in our nation. Part of it is going to be when Christians really take hold of this truth and and penetrate the powers of, of darkness with uh, radical love. We talked about with humility. I don't uh, I don't need to be somebody important, nameless, faceless revival. Uh, but here now, rubber meets the road. Can I forgive? Even you said it in one of our previous episodes. Even our enemies. And when we do that, man, we're on the track. Hey, can we can you bring us home with a, a, a maybe just a personal story you, you were yeah, talking I'll, a little bit about? Yeah. Would your friend Lauren mind you talking about it? Or um, yeah, I think I'll go. I'll tell you a different story. Okay. Um, yeah. th- so there's, um, I'll, we could maybe have him sometime to tell his okay, story. Okay, we'll ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that, Lauren. We didn't bring your name up, and <laughs> everybody's wondering what happened to Lauren. Uh, no, it's a it's a great story, but he he would d- definitely tell it better than me. But there was. You know, there was a, it's not as quite as dramatic, but the, when I was a, you know, a pastor at Teen Challenge, there was a guy there um, who had made a lot of bad choices, got in a lot of trouble. Um, and at some point, the consequence was we just couldn't go forward with him, you know, at this time. We had to let him go. Right. He didn't have a place to go. He was mad. He was angry. 
Um, and, you know, I basically was telling him, listen, I mean, he was being violent, threatening. I said, if you don't leave, we're going to, you know, have to call the police. Um, you know, and he basically told me, um, you know, if I catch you in the street, I'm going to kill you. Right. You know, you think you're so tough because you're in charge here, but you're not really tough. And he literally said, you know, they would slip my throat. Um, and so, you know, it's intense thing. But, uh, you know, later, um, after all, all his plans and all the things he did had fallen um, and he was in trouble and he had a humble heart, he came back in tears mm. and said, I don't have anything where to go. I know I wronged you. You won't help me. I, I'm, I understand why you wouldn't let me back, but could you please put a word in for me at another Teen Challenge um, or something? You know, his heart was broken. Mm. And of course we took him back. <laughs> cool. Um, and, and I don't say that to, uh, you know, to say, oh, we were so great to him. We had, every one of us who worked there had been extended the same mercy and we didn't see it for what it was. Once God finally opens his eyes to it and he came back with a repentant heart, the question is, isn't that what we really wanted all along? Yeah. Didn't we want him to come to a place where his heart was soft before God? Um, you know, to tell the exciting part of the story, he came back, you know, went through the program, graduated. He's a man of God today. God. That's but, so cool. But I don't say it to brag on our program. I no. say there's many times where we get in these situations, we forget why we're doing what we're doing. And the reason we didn't let him back was because it was a dangerous time. Yeah. He was dangerous to other students. It wasn't the right time. Yeah. But once his heart was soft, and, and, and for me personally, anecdotally, um, I can't ever get past just the massive amount of mercy mm -hmm. that was shown to me. Mm -hmm. um, as foolish yeah. as I was, as selfish as I was, burned bridges, and even the people that ended up helping me it was a rough go in the beginning, you know, because yeah. I was so, um, and just mercy and mercy and forgiveness extended to me. Precious. And so it it changes your heart. And obviously, eventually, my heart was changed by God. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to extend that to someone else. But the door, the kindness that led me to repentance was someone extending a mercy to me they didn't have to. And I think that... I think that is the heart of the yeah, gospel. Is. That is the heart of forgiveness. And if we ever think we're forgiving someone um, because we're we're a good person or because we're noble, um, I think we're we're confused. Mm -hmm. We're we're forgiving because we have been extended yeah. a trillion dollar debt that was yeah. it wasn't dismissed. Somebody paid it. Yeah, right. He paid it for us with his life and his precious blood. Great way to. Great way to say it. Great way to conclude our time together here today. Thank you, Joshua. Appreciate the input. And um, for those of you that are listening to us, if um, you wonder what, what might be a, a good starting place for me, I'm having trouble with this forgiveness thing. Well, you know, just to review, realize that God is protecting you, just like Joshua is having, to, as the Teen Challenge Director, protect the program from violence. Uh, but yet also then understood forgiveness from the heart, you know, and and discern what God's doing in there. But I would just close by saying to you, um, if you're having trouble with this, would, would you even be willing to pray, um, Lord, forgive me for not being forgiving? Would you uh, ask the Lord to soften your heart, um, to teach you, uh, to have the Holy Spirit's power accompany you on this journey and give you the grace? Uh, to do. God never commands us to do something where he doesn't supply the ability to do it. And he, he is your supply 
and your source. No matter what's happened, you can do it. So God bless you. Grace and peace to you. Have a wonderful day. And we will be back with you continuing our series here on a move of God in our generation. If you're enjoying the podcast but want to dig deeper, both Gary and Joshua have books that you can buy right now on our online store. Go to worldchallenge.org and click on the store tab at the top of the page. There you'll find books written by David Wilkerson, Gary Wilkerson, Joshua West, and others as well. Check it out today. Ephesians 6.18 says that we should pray at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication. If you would like someone at World Challenge to pray with you, visit worldchallenge.org forward slash prayer or call us at 1-833-WC-PRAISE. Again, that's 1-833-WC-PRAISE. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.